0: Blue line. It's exciting to win money. Is there anything you don't gamble Uh, not really. Gambling gods? fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambler's not your problem. You're just an idiot.
1: Welcome to the Full Slate Week Thirteen Sunday Scaries podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Indeed, Bet Online, and Monkey Night Fight. I'm your co-host Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, when we were previewing the games this week, they looked awful, but what a Sunday! Absolutely
2: crazy. You know, Week Thirteen it was bound to have some weird uh, luck, but. Yeah, absolutely crazy week. Um The witching, I mean, the witching hour, we'll, we'll start right now with Sunday's scariest moment Um uh, mine. The witching hour for the, the 1 o'clock, you know, noon games, depending what time zone you're in, is absolutely wild. You had so many games coming down to the wire, like, all at once. Obviously, your lock, Raiders, Jets, that was a crazy finish. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Colts, Texans. Detroit, Chicago was a wild finish. Minnesota, Jacksonville, Saints, Falcons. Falcons had a chance to win at the end. Like every game, just coming down to the wire at the last minute. So Sunday scariest moment for all betters out there, because regardless of what side you're on, for all these games is coming down. It's uh, crunching time at the end. So it was an
1: absolutely wild uh, witching hour. It really was. I think like around three fifteen or so. I remember checking my phone, being like, "Wow, if." if all these games just end now, I'm going to be in pretty good shape. I think the Raiders were up 24-13 at that point. They were playing really well on defense. And uh, the tit- the Titans were getting blown out by the Browns. Uh, Saints blowing out the Falcons. And then things just started going haywire. And it really was like... I mean, the beginning of March Madness, it's the full day, highs and lows. And they do stagger the game. So you get a couple of, like... Games that'll come down to the wire, but nothing really compares to the the full slate Sunday when you just have things going on and like all of your bets are either going the right way or wrong way. My lock of the week, the Raiders. I mean, let's talk about the ending to just start. I thought for sure that it was gonna they were gonna just lose after Derek Carr missed Nelson Aguilar on the first deep ball where um, if he had him, just overthrew him a bit. And then he got another chance with Henry Ruggs. And the defense the Jets were playing made absolutely no sense. But you know what, Tyler? My lock of week was an absolute loser. We can get into a little more why that was. But uh, I had the Raiders in a 14-money line parlay that ended up hitting. And also, uh, what is it called? The uh, yeah, Raiders live too uh, was just an absolute miracle hit. Yeah, I mean you have to figure someone
2: if in Greg Williams' headset, someone from the Jets' front office is like, you have to call the worst play you have on the play sheet. Jacksonville is, you know, my lose this game to the Vikings. We need to keep this first pick. Someone on the Jets' front office had to be in his headset because they ran they blitz eight guys on their last play and engage eight for anyone who's ever played Madden. You know, you hope to get home, and if you don't, you're, you're pretty much screwed. To do one-on-one coverage on the outside with their receivers and a rookie cornerback for the Jets, it made no sense. It was such a horrible game plan, and it was shocking. After the Raiders didn't get the fourth down, I thought the game was over. I thought, I thought the Raiders only had one timeout at that point, so maybe they'd get the ball back with, like, you know, basically no time left. I didn't realize they had two, so when they had the ball back so quickly, it was like, oh, my God. And even the play before that, Nelson Aguilar was open, and Derkar overthrew him a little bit, and I, I tweeted this to throw some shade at you. I don't know if
1: you saw it. Um, I, said I it's saw tough. it. I, just, I said it's I, tough to lo- tag. Just tag me next time. So you well, I, wanted, I, wanted, sub-tweets.
2: I wanted you to say it. Um, yeah. I said, it's tough to lose your lock of the week when it's a nine-point favorite, and they lose outright to an own 11 team. <laughs> and then, literally a second later, Henry Rugg scored a touchdown. <laughs> so I had to eat crow a little bit on that, but... Just such a bad play call, but if you're a Jets fan, it's a win, um,
0: it's a yeah, you're win.
2: you're happy. There's part of you that's just so like angry because this is how incompetent the team is, and it's not shocking that moment happened. But overall, you're happy because you stay in the driver's seat for Trevor Lawrence.
1: The so when the Raiders stopped the Jets to get the ball back. The Jets' running back was, like, running out of bounds, and the Raiders tackled him out of bounds. And for whatever reason, the side judge called that he was down inbounds. So the clock kept running. It's like, there's no way this is happening. Um, but the game itself, I mean, the Raiders got off to a slow start. The Jets go up 7 nothing early, and I'm just like, this is not good. And the Jets look good the first, like, 75% of the first half. They're moving the ball up and down the field. But then they get into their kind of Jets – Normal Jets, Darnold fumbled one, they had an interception, he fumbled two actually, they had three possessions that resulted in turnovers uh, in a row, and the Raiders got the ball basically off a uh, Darnold fumble towards the end of the first half, they had great field position, they pick up a first down, and then Derek Carr just takes two miserable sacks towards midfield, they're getting the ball back back. Uh, had to start of the second half, so I was like, okay, cool. If they could get a field goal here, I'm up seven going into the half, feeling good about things. They've kind of basically settled the storm. And then they start off the second half with a great drive, go right down the field, score a touchdown, go up 11. And then they just kind of get complacent. They run the ball too much. They had a couple of drives, two drives where they had the ball Around their own forty to, to start the drive didn't do anything on it like they're absolutely blowing this game and I'll give Darnold credit I know his stat line he had three turnovers but he made some plays it's not overly impressive but like he made some nice throws his the pick was kind of it was a nice play by the cornerback I don't think it was that bad of a pass by him. Um, But, yeah, the the Raiders did everything in their power to blow this one. They had all the chances in the world. I thought their offensive play calling in the second half was miserable. What I wanted to happen was when they were driving late before they stopped the Jets, I thought they were going to get a touchdown there. Darren Waller got tripped by the cornerback. They called a penalty on it, but if he doesn't get tripped, he scores a touchdown. And then I was like, okay, maybe I get a a Sam Darnold pick six for the cover. Didn't end up happening. But this was uh, probably the premier just ending of the 1 o'clock games. And that's what's so great about the NFL. Like, these 1 o'clock games, you'll get them on paper. Besides Browns, Titans, they all stunk, but they all came down to the wire.
2: Yeah, that's that's what makes the NFL the best. Regardless of who's playing, it can always be like a great ending like this. And Darren Waller had an awesome game for the Raiders: thirteen catches, two hundred yards, two touchdowns. So coming big, coming up big for all fantasy owners um, today. But yeah, the Raiders like when you made this rock like, week, I was just nervous because I don't know. Like they did this last year, right, where they lost to the Jets and they kind of fell apart at the same time last year and this was a huge win because so they had lost. I mean, they're they're kind of out of it on um, that six and six. They kind of fall pretty far back. They would fall two games back of, you know, the Colts and the Dolphins. Now with this win and inject some life in them. Um but I d I don't know how confident I would feel about them moving forward. No Josh yeah. Jacobs today. Who knows how long he's out. And for the Jets, they're 0 twelve, you know, hopefully you know, they want to keep the number one pick, but What's so funny about this Spock score is they ran for 200 yards, which is great, six yards a carry. Frank Gore, I think he got hurt early he in the game.
1: He got a concussion on like his first carry, which as soon as he left, I'm like, this is going to be bad for me.
2: Yeah, they had this guy Ty Johnson and Josh Adams. You know, Both had nice games. I don't know how good they would be over a whole course of the season, but... The fact these guys came in and were good shows how incompetent the Jets are that, you know, we love Frank Gore, but the fact that they were riding him as their primary back all year. You have these two young guys behind him that's just like makes no sense. (laughs) they are fast. Like
1: they're both, these guys came in and I was like, wait, what? Like one, I had no idea who they were, but it was like, I think I did tweet out exactly what you just said. Like I love Frank Gore, but how has this guy Adams been behind him all year? The guy Johnson had a good game as well. Um, and on the Raider side, real quick, Henry Ruggs, he catches the game-winning touchdown. Great catch by him, a great ball by Carr, but he was in the doghouse. He was, like, one of the reasons that I didn't end up covering this lock of the week. He dropped a pass that resulted in, in an interception in the first quarter, and then when they had the ball late in the game to drive... Uh, he fumbled one. The Jets ended up uh, getting the ball back and scoring there. Uh, I think it was the Raiders were up like three at that point. So it was it was a roller coaster of a game. Um, six six and one. My locks of the week. Not great, not great. Five hundred. But my overall record, um, I gained another uh, game on you in that lead. So that's looking good. I think I'm six games over five hundred now there. Um, but Tyler my Sunday scariest moment is the fact that I don't think we're going to get, we're recording now. It's eight sixteen PM Eastern time. Uh, I don't think we're going to get the opportunity to fade Anthony Lynn anymore. I think this is going to be it. The Patriots were my fourth leg of my, uh, money line parlay that hit today, which is nice. I felt like it was a huge trap. They're going to, they, there's just no way that the chargers are going to lose. It felt way too obvious. That line was so close. And this was an all time chargers performance. Um, in this game alone, so they missed, Badgley missed a field goal. Pats had a punt return for a touchdown. The Chargers at one point only had 10 men on the field for uh, a punt return of their own, so that's bold strategy. And then the Pats blocked a touchdown uh, before the end of the first half. The Chargers lost 45 nothing. This is a team offensively that has so much talent. Defensively, you have, uh, you have Nick Bosa. Nick or Joe? I Joe yeah. Joey, thank you. Um, but you lose 45 nothing to a Patriots team that can't score. Um, pathetic game, and I imagine he's not making it to next week. So that's yeah. my Sunday scariest moments over.
2: No, pile, yeah, piling on from last week, the way that game ended versus the Bills, where they were running it on the goal line and all that at the end of the game, add on to this week and just such bad mistakes, like you said. Um, giving up a punt return touchdown. They almost gave up a second one, too. He he ran into the end zone, mm-hmm. uh, Gunner Oles, Wise. I don't even know how to pronounce his last yeah. name. But, yeah, a great game. They blocked a the kick. They also missed a kick, like you said. It was just so typical of the Chargers. And Cam Newton only threw for 69 yards. Jarred <laughs> threw three passes and almost surpassed him at 61. Like, um, it's just they continue to shoot themselves in the foot. It's the same thing. Every year, I said to my friends, them and the Cowboys are the, the on-paper Super Bowl champs every year because you always look at their roster going into the year, and you're like, this team this team could make some noise. This team has a lot of talent here, here, and here, but they never execute. It's horrible coaching. Um, so I would imagine Anthony Lane gets fired after this game. I don't know how you bring him back. I saw this was their worst, uh, most lopsided loss in franchise history. Who's forty five nothing to a team that you're probably better than and the other quarterback couldn't get over a hundred yards is absolutely pathetic. The, 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 special Patriots, teams. the
1: Patriots had less than three hundred yards of total offense. They had two hundred and ninety one yards and they scored forty five points.
2: Yeah, to have those special teams mistakes and just it's the same thing every week where they have these dumb, dumb mistakes where they shoot themselves in the foot. So it is sad that, you know, Anthony Lynn won't uh be coaching many more games. You know, we lost Matt Patricia. As well, recently, Bill O'Brien. The guy who's still coaching, which is stunning, and I guess maybe deserves a little credit because they have been competitive the last couple weeks, Doug Marone for the Jags. He somehow has avoided getting fired. um, So I feel like he's kind of, Assuming Anthony Lynn gets fired, uh, shortly, He's kind of our last guy from this original batch.
1: Yeah, he's he's not that fun. Um, Adam Gase is still pretty fun. We'll have him through the end of the year just so they lose out. But, like, Anthony Lynn is kind of up there with Freddie Kitchens from last year, Hugh Jackson the year before that. But these guys that are just so incompetent, NFL Twitter becomes enamored with them. Um, and Anthony Lynn, just he, he did provide great entertainment for us week in, week out.
2: For sure, but let's move on to one of the games we previewed: um, the Browns Titans game. Final scores: forty-one thirty-five. Incredibly misleading final box score. If you looked at it, you'd be like, "Oh, this was a back-and-forth game." Not really. Mm-hmm. Browns blew them out. Scored thirty-eight. They're up thirty-eight to seven at halftime. They scored five touchdowns and a field goal on their first half drives. Probably could have been six. Donovan. Donovan Peoples-Jones dropped yeah. a touchdown on mm-hmm. their first drive. Baker was incredible. I mean, that was the best half he's had, and we talked about it on the Pick'em Pod. This was a game he needed to play well. This was, you know, the Browns have had a nice year. They had one nice win over the Colts, but Baker really hadn't had a premier game. This was it. He's 25 of 33, three 34, four touchdowns, no picks. Um, so he played great, and this was a statement game for the Browns. They clinched a winning season. Nine and three, they clinch over eight and a half wins for anyone who's taken that. Um, Kevin Stefanski, Coach of the Year Futures, are looking great. So really just an all-around great day for the Cleveland Browns.
1: Yeah, I, we we spoke about it on Wednesday, and I was like, I feel like at the end of the first quarter we're going to know who's going to win this game. I felt a little bit skeptical after that Donovan Peoples-Jones Drop on the first drive. I was like, oh, that's kind of a bad omen because that was a great pass by Baker. I'm not sure how many of those we're going to get. But give Baker credit. He was unbelievable in this game. The best game I've seen him play as a pro. Um, and they just laid it on this Titans team. And then at the end of the game, they browns because they kind of tried to make this interesting. And up 38-7. to The final score is 41-35. Baker fumbles a QB sneak when they're up 13 with like a... A couple minutes left, I think two minutes left in the game, fumbles it. The Titans scoop it up and bring it down the field enough, made it interesting enough to get the onside kick to have a shot. Luckily, the Browns are covered. Um, This this game, though, I mean, you got to give the Browns offensively, they have the pieces. I don't know if their defense is going to be good enough to actually be a serious contender in the AFC. I'm not really buying them for that, but, like, I, I really like what they're doing offensively. Baker just has to be like a B-minus quarterback for them to have a chance versus great teams just because I think the running back core is that good. The offensive line is very solid. And I was surprised in this game. It felt like even late in the game, I think one of the reasons why it did get close, they kept throwing the ball. Baker Mayfield threw the ball 33 times and they were up uh, 28 at basically them in the first half. So I, I don't know. They didn't even have that – big of a rushing game, and they ran for 118 yards, this game did not go to the play script that I thought when I took them, uh, plus six, um, but yeah, I don't know, Tyler, I, like, I feel like in the playoffs if these teams met, I'm probably taking the Titans in a playoff game, like, even though what we just saw from Baker, I don't know, they still made it, the tit- Titans I just, like, find a way to hang around. Well,
2: well if the season ended right now, this would, be the, run, this would yeah. be the first round this would be the first round matchup. I mean, this Titans team I cannot figure them out for anything. I think we've talked about them the last four weeks. I've been wrong every time. We've discussed them, so I can't I can't get this team right. I was on them today. When we previewed it, it was at six. It got down to four today. I probably should have known to stay away, but I jumped on them and the the game like flipped early, Is three nothing. The Titans were driving. They had a fourth and one, and the Browns stuffed Derrick Henry on the fourth down. and was like, wow, that just happened? Derrick Henry's human? I don't know if Henry was banged up or concussed. He just, like, he seemed out of it. It was weird. He didn't have his great game. He usually does. Like I said, he got stuffed in that fourth and one. They also went for two in the second half when they were trying to come back, and he got stuffed, and he just, like, didn't seem to have that same energy. I don't know. Maybe he's tired from the last few games, but he didn't seem to have it. But credit to the Browns, I mean, Kevin Stefanski, the game plan they had was great. That play-action touchdown they scored, um, the Browns went up 17 nothing. Tennessee comes right back down the field in, like, four plays. They score 17-7. You're, you're thinking, okay, maybe the momentum will swing back. And then Cleveland just ran a great play-action play that completely fooled Tennessee for a 75-yard It's Like, if they're able to do that, I mean, they're going to be able to hang in some of these games. And like you said, they didn't run the ball per their normal standard. And I think that's what's scary, that if they could get a game like this from Baker – every so often, and they still have the threat of the running game. It just opens everything up, so I can only really credit them. I mean, it was a great win for them, and Tennessee just continues to be this Jekyll and high team that I can't figure out. So I hope they play someone bad next week because I don't want to have to give a pick on their game because whatever I say, uh, everyone else should do the opposite.
1: Let's see who they play next week. da 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 Schedule. They play Jags. Yeah, they they oh. play the Jags. Okay, oh, so you should be okay there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. It was it was a very entertaining game. Is on red zone. Obviously It's on Seventy six total points scored. Um, but let's let's talk about your lock of the week, Tyler. Since we kind of talked through my stellar one and um, the Sunday scariest moment for you, but. The G-men, the New York Giants, are five and seven. Colt McCoy, it's 2020. Colt McCoy just won a game on the road versus the coming into the game the number two seed in the NFC. Um, we previewed this game on Wednesday. Both were like the Giants are feisty. They do a good job defensively. They play in all these one-score games, but Colt McCoy plus the fact that the Seahawks kind of need this game to extend their lead on whoever loses the Rams-Cardinals game, maybe chip away if Taysom Hill messes up and stay alive for that one seed. But this is what happens with the Seattle team every year. I'm very happy to see it happen, but, like, Russ sprints out of the gate, and then they just lay an absolute egg like this.
2: Yeah, I, I hate the Seahawks just, like, having taken them and having them in a teaser as the last leg, and just knowing like the way this game was going, that it wasn't going to be close. There's just so, there's such a weird team. They're down 12 in the fourth quarter, and they're just running the ball like no rush. Like they're winning, or, you know, if the offense had been like moving it all game, which it hadn't been, it's just such a weird team. My lock, uh, under 48, that was never in doubt. Um, that was an easy win for me, so I moved to nine, three, and one. Um, in our locks of the week, I have a three game lead on you, so. That was an easy winner, but I'm I'm, ha- I'm always happy to see Seattle lose. I was frustrated because I had them in the teaser, but like we said, we kind of just didn't listen to ourselves, right? We said this Giants team is frisky, that the offense wasn't good with Daniel Jones, so what difference should have made the fact that Cole McCoy was playing? Um, he didn't really do much, but I guess he didn't make a ton of mistakes in this game. Uh, they are able to run the ball well for 190 yards, average six yards a carry. So Giants are 5-7. and seven. They're leading the NFC East. And I should have known to switch the pick because DraftKings, at least here, was running a promotion today that had a, basically a parlay of all the teams playing the NFC East teams and, you know, paid out whatever it was. And everyone was saying, oh, you know, that's an easy bet, that on these NFC East teams to all lose. You knew someone was going to mess it up. I should have known
1: it was the Giants. It's uh, this, this Giants team. I don't know what it is. Can't kill them. Uh, Wayne Gallman had the one big breakaway run, and it felt like that kind of gave them enough life. But I agree with what you said. They were just, like, sleepwalking offensively, Seattle. I don't know. I just don't get it. They have so many playmakers, Metcalf, Lockett, uh, Chris Carson. All their guys were healthy offensively in terms of on the outside. I think they had some injuries on the offensive line, but the Giants' defense... Their defensive front just manhandled. Russell Wilson was running for his life, got sacked five times in this game. Uh, They were able to force two turnovers, and that was enough. So Seattle does this. They like to make things interesting. Um, A good loss here for the 49ers, a huge win for Seattle, especially because the Eagles lost again. They stink. Hurts played, made that one interesting a little bit. They're covering for a while, and then, Aaron Jones had that breakaway run when they are essentially sitting on the clock. That was really cool. Um, And then uh, Washington plays the Steelers, which they're kind of a trendy dog right now, but we'll see what happens there. But the Giants, this was a massive win for them. So good for Giants fans everywhere. Grandpa Billy fired up, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, huge win for them. I mean, even if Washington wins a game, the Giants have the tiebreaker over them because they've beaten them twice this year. So they're sitting in the driver's seat. Joe Judge has done a great job with that team. There, like we've been saying, they're competitive in all of these games. And like you said, Seattle just likes to make it interesting. I don't think they like actually care if they lost a game. They're just like whatever is like the more crazier scenario they want that to play out. Um, so I don't know what they're doing. Like I said, their game you know, it was all about let Russ cook, let Russ cook, and he's cooking early in the year, and then that kind of backfired, and now they seem like they've swung the pendulum all the way back where they're so conservative with trying to run the ball and establish the run game that they're not really playing to their best strength. They can't figure it out, and you, know, you look at the Seahawks team and they're not that great of an overall team. They just have a great quarterback and some good playmakers, but that's why they lose games like this. It feels like every year they have a game at home where they just either almost lose or lose to like a bad team, and that was it. They play the Jets next week, so I assume they'd get back on track there. Um, before we take a quick break, let's quickly recap this Rams-Cardinals game. We were both on the Rams minus three. I thought it was a weird line, um, but luckily the Rams covered and won. They won 38-28. to I feel like looking at Kyler Murray's box score, he did throw three touchdowns, but another game where I watched. He,
1: he looked bad.
2: He looked bad. The Cardinals' offense just looks bad. And Cliff Kingsbury, the self-proclaimed offensive genius, you know, this, this team is real. And they would be out of the playoffs right now if the season ended today.
1: Yeah, the thing is, so he had 18 incompletions in this game Kyler Murray, 21-39. He's rattled. He is going against one of the best uh, defensive fronts in the NFL, obviously, with Aaron Donald. But the big thing is, again, with Kyler, he had five carries, 15 yards. When he was at the peak of his powers, say, four to six weeks ago, He's running all over the place. He has a bum shoulder. He's not running as much. And this team is just not... When they don't have that threat, it seems to hold them back. DeAndre Hopkins had an okay game. Eight catches, 52 yards, one touchdown. But they're kind of missing that Christian Kirk's a nice piece. I don't know. They're just, like, missing something offensively when you watch them. It's been very underwhelming the last five weeks. It continues to be as such. Um, And this Rams team... This is Goff. This is Jared Goff, like, two at T against mediocre to below-average teams. He plays well. And that's what he did today. He was 37 to 47. He bounced back from last week, 350 yards, third touchdown. And Cam Akers and kind of this three-headed monster they have. I mean, at this point, it's really Akers and Henderson. Uh, They did enough. They rushed for 119 yards. It wasn't pretty, but they ran for three touchdowns as a collective. Um and this Rams team, you just like, bottom line was, when we were looking at this line, it's like, I just trust McVay coming in off a loss to scheme up a better game plan in a huge game. This was a massive swing game in the NFC West, uh, in the NFC wildcard picture in general. So the Rams now go back ahead of Seattle. They're the third seed. Uh, and Arizona, like you said, is after the playoffs. The Vikings have slipped in. So that's, that's crazy. The Vikings were miserable. The first six weeks of the season,
2: yeah. And this game could have been a lot more lopsided. The Rams had a fourth and goal early in the game. They got stuffed. I mean, they really dominated this game. Made thirty. They had twelve more first downs than the Cardinals. They outgained them by two hundred yards. Time of possession was thirty-eight minutes to twenty-one. I mean, they absolutely dominated this game. Um, and they also had a f- fumbled punt that set up Arizona for a short field. Like Rams could have won this game probably by twenty points. If they do not make a couple of mistakes there, but yeah, it just seems like, I think it's Cliff Kingsbury, I think we know what the answer is, the play calling just isn't there, and if Kyler Murray's banged up and he can't run, he just might not be as elite of a quarterback as we might have thought, I don't know, I, I love to see them lose, I mean, looking at their games, and I know this is playing like Monday morning quarterback a lot, but You know, they won that Monday night game versus the Cowboys where they killed them. Then we had that all-time, you know, Sunday night game versus Seahawks, who should have lost that. They lose that game nine times out of ten. They lost to the Dolphins. Then they have the Hal Murray game. Then they've lost three in a row since. Like, they could could have lost six games in a row here. You could have said maybe they should have beat the Patriots here and there. But my point is, this team has been, like, playing with fire for a while now, and they play... They go to you know everyone's frisky team. We love to talk about the Giants next week at uh, MetLife. So who knows? They could lose that game as well and continue to free for all. for one. I would I wouldn't be too upset. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little IU football and give out our Grandpa Billy's Bums of the Week.
1: 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free seventy-five dollar credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free seventy-five dollar credit at indeed.com slash blue wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December thirty first. Terms and conditions apply.
2: The wave is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Cody. Now, before we move on to our Grandpa Billy's Bomb of the Week, we got to talk IU football. Another monumental step for this team. They won at Wisconsin as 14-point dogs. I said on the pick pod that was absolutely disrespectful for them to be that big of underdogs. They won 14-6. to six. Another huge win. They're 6-1. I use all over ESPN. The, you know, the players after the game saying they love Tom Allen. All recruits should come play for him. He's the best coach in the country. 2020 has been a weird year, and it, it just continues to get weirder with these games.
1: <laughs> it is, It is seriously. This game was a snooze fest, but our defense was incredible. We only had 217 yards of offense, but the uh, backup QB, Jack Tuttle, he looked good. I mean, his numbers weren't anything crazy, but he threw a couple of really nice passes, um, and the bottom line is like defense. <laughs> defensively, we're really good. We actually look fast, we can tackle. It's the first time in 10 years that's been the case. Um, and we're set up for, like, one of the major bowl games that aren't the college football playoff. Purdue's not very good. And then we have, like, the week of the Big Ten championship when, in all likelihood, uh, we'll be playing, I guess, whoever's in second place from the other division, right? Is that how that's going to work?
2: I'm not sure how that's going to work because we already have played Wisconsin. If Wisconsin's, in that spot, we wouldn't play them again. I feel like... You'll end up playing, like, Minnesota or maybe Illinois. Or Iowa. Yeah, yeah, Iowa. Um, So I I don't know how that's going to work. But, yeah, I mean, Tuttle played well. The two touchdown passes he had, they were really nice passes. You know, the first one was a short pass to our tight end, but that wasn't, like, a layup throw. He had to loft it over the defenders. And then the second one, he's getting blitzed. He's backing up, throws perfect pass to the corner of the end zone. And he should have had a third touchdown. Our receiver job. A wa- the most wide-open touchdown I've ever seen. It was it was stunning that he was that open to begin with. And then the fact he dropped it was even more stunning. I nearly
0: passed threw out. Up. I, I ne- just I nearly threw up.
2: I, I nearly passed out in my apartment. <laughs> it just felt like it was, it was boiling down to a classic I.E. loss where they had chances to put the game away. But like you said, the defense is awesome and your defense is that good. You could play in any game and you feel like You're always going to be in it, and Wisconsin is in this explosive offensive team that's going to light you up, so in this type of game, it favorite IU, so yeah, it's great, and all the publicity IU gets around Tom Allen and all the post-game stuff, I mean... It's
0: great. That's great for us.
2: Yeah, it's great, Um, so I'd expect the recruiting classes uh, to start getting better, and it's just like... Every little thing that happens usually goes wrong for IU, but this year it just everything is clicking as far as you know winning these games. The moments after the games, like Tom Allen's, like social media, he had like the second most interactions on Twitter uh, in November. Coach, like Coach
1: K being like, "I've talked to you ten minutes. I want to play it for you." Yeah. Like this stuff. This stuff will matter for those sixteen to eighteen year olds in the mid in the Midwest. Yeah. And and the- Yeah,
2: him on ESPN, Pat McAfee's show, Dan Patrick, like, and all of them loving him. Like, it's, like, it's insane this is working out. I feel like I'm not, like, in reality.
1: Our dad made this point when I was talking to him earlier when he hugged Tuttle after the game. It was, like, an embrace (laughs) of, like, someone that, like... I don't I don't even know like exact like someone just gave like a best man speech at a wedding and it's like a dad hugging the son like it was, it, was, it was so emotional it's a beautiful moment and IU football minute been a great segment IU football we're seven to zero this year against the spread paid out quite nicely on the money line last night I think it was like well plus three eighty whatever it was something like that so good good win for the Hoosiers um, Grandpa Billy's bum of the week Tyler. You want to go first?
2: Why don't you start?
1: Okay. Thank you. Uh, my Grandpa Billy's bum of the week. I'm going with the Chicago Bears this week. Uh, they somehow managed to squander a 10-point lead versus Detroit Lions, who are absolutely pathetic. Um, they just fired their head coach, Matt Patricia, so you normally get a little bit of a bump there. But this Bears team was up 10. Let me get it exactly right. They were up 10 with... Doo-doo-doo. Yeah, about nine minutes ago in the fourth quarter. The Lions cut it to three. The Bears had the sack fumble late in the game. Trubisky all the way backed up on their own seven uh, under two minutes ago. Lions end up scoring a touchdown, winning the game. This Bears team, they're 5-1. and one. They beat the Bucks on Thursday Night Football. Uh, they went into Carolina the week after. They took care of business there. And they've lost six straight since then. They're a train wreck. Um offensively, defensively, like, I mean, at least this game they put up some points, but it's more of the same with them. Allen Robinson's a nice player if you own him in fantasy, uh, but there's not a, lot, a whole lot of bright spots out there for this team. It feels like they're going to be hitting the reset button in the off season, and a lot of what I see on Twitter is, like, Bears fans being like, just lose out. At this point, this was a big loss in the NFC playoff picture, Um, But if you are a Bears fan, I imagine you just want to lose out and get the best possible draft picks. You could get a quarterback in there to replace this Trubisky-Foles debacle.
2: But the the thing with the Bears is, and I've, you know, I live in Chicago, I think, as you know, um, and I have a lot of Bears fans, and they love to complain about Trubisky-Foles, and they wanted to go back to Trubisky, and now everyone's backpedaling on that, but I don't think it matters who the quarterback of this team is right now unless it was like a top like five QB in the league that actually changes the team regardless of who's around him. It wouldn't matter that this offense stinks. The offensive line is horrible. The coaching is terrible. So I don't think like them getting drafted in quarterback next year is the answer. They need to blow it up. Um, This if you put a rookie in there right now. I don't think it's making a difference. They need to blow it up. When they were 5-1, and one, everyone was kind of saying, yeah, this team isn't very good. Um, and, you know, Bears fans are like, oh, you're just being a hater. You know, they're winning these games. Well, now we see that. Uh, we were right at the beginning of the season. They're terrible. And this felt like the, game, the first game of the season when they played the Lions, when the Lions blew, kind of like an unbelievable game at the end. Lions get their revenge here. Um so it was great to see Trubisky make that mistake um at the end of the game but I don't think the Bears solution is just oh we draft a quarterback we plug him in and we're a 10 win team again like I don't, I don't see that as their road map.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. It feels like they have to change up the juju majorly. Even when they were they lost a double joint game after they traded for Khalil Mack in 2018, they never really like had much of an offensive team and Nagy was hired as a guy, an offensive guy, um, so I don't know. It seems like his his time is dwindling there, um, but I mean, in terms of NFC playoff picture, they were still right in the mix, and if they had won this game, they're 6-6, six and, six, and their schedule still is fairly favorable. They play Houston next week, play at Minnesota the following week, Jacksonville, then finish versus the Bears, so I mean, they're going to be favored in at least two of those games.
2: Yeah, probably, but I mean, like next week versus Houston isn't that's not a layup win for them. Um, I mean, this team, I think they're gonna have to blow up the defense as good as it is. I just don't, I don't think they have a quick fix. Is my point to getting back in contention? Their offensive line is so bad. They they always play well offensively versus Detroit. That's like the one team they could put up points versus. But everyone else, they're terrible with. I think Nagy will be gone. The GM. Will probably be gone, and you know next week it won't be a good look if Deshaun Watson's tearing up the Bears in Chicago because all Bears fans know they they could have drafted him. Um, but to wrap up, my grandpa Billy's bum the week guy, uh, we love crapping on here. Uh, Carson Wentz, he was horrible again today versus the Packers. Six of 15, 79 yards. He was sacked four times. He got benched in the second half for Jalen Hurts, um, and Hurts looked decent. They were able to do a little stuff offensively. The game was decided at that point and, you know, when you don't prepare for another quarterback, usually you have a little more success, but Carson Wentz is terrible. Um, I'm so tired of hearing, oh, you know, he doesn't have weapons. His offense line doesn't block for him. When you consistently are getting sacked this often, there's probably an issue that you're holding on to the ball too much and you're not very good. He didn't turn it over, which is shocking. So I guess that's a mini accomplishment for him, but he's my grandpa Billy's bottom of the week. This Eagles team in a year that, it's so easy to win the NFC East. They're falling apart. They're 3-8-1. and one. And some questions around Doug Peterson's job security are starting to be raised. If he is going to, like, just leave, basically. I, I saw one article, so who knows, but Wentz is my bum of the week.
1: Yeah, 6 for 15, 79 yards is so pathetic in a game versus Packers defense. Who's? I mean, they've had moments where they've looked good this year, but it's largely a, a middle-of-the-pack defensive unit. Um... This yeah, I'm I'm with you. We've we've hit this one on the head many a times. I took the Eagles. It's like ah eight and a half, nine. That feels like a pretty good number for them. They they have played the Packers pretty competitively. feels like the last handful of years, plus Packers coming in off a massive win over the Bears last weekend. So it's like, yeah, the Packers normally kind of sleepwalk through these games, and they kind of were for a little while, and it still didn't matter. And then uh, Hurts came in, and he at least provided a little energy, and Aaron Jones just put the cover on his back. Late scamper uh, for a touchdown there. But, in this game, real quick, Devontae Adams is an absolute monster. Week in, week out, he's catching touchdowns.
2: Yeah, he's been incredible. He's scored in six straight games. It's He's he's just unguardable, and when they get into the red zone, it's just like, you know, Packer fans love to say, oh, we need a second receiver, which they probably do, and they should have drafted one or gone after one. Um, but when you get into the red zone with Devontae, it doesn't even matter. He's unguardable. They just throw up the ball to him, and He's amazing. I mean, I don't know in the playoffs if that's going to matter for them, but, yeah, he, he's awesome.
1: Yep. So I think that. Anything else, Tyler?
2: That's it. And one quick last point on IU. Um, bowl projections, they have us in the uh, in the New Year's, New Year's Six game in the Fiesta Bowl against USC. So that would be a huge step for them to be playing those games, uh, given their history
1: quite wild. Um so we will be back on Wednesday. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back Wednesday for the week fourteen Pick 'em pod with the special guest.